Hello and welcome to the Identities Podcast, a show that asks the question, just who do you think you are? I'm Clayton Taylor, and I'm on a mission to discover. Join me as I talk to some of the most interesting people I know about how they see themselves in the world that they exist in. Artists, musicians, actors, or just people with a way with words. This isn't just about their stories, although that will be unavoidable. What they do, what they've done, what they hope to see in their lives. This, at the end of the day, is about what makes them tick, what fills their consciousness, and where their identity was formed. It's the Identities Podcast, and it starts now. Okay, Identities Podcast, episode one. Thank you for listening. Um, I have a very special guest for episode one. It's it's kind of unbelievable that I could get her here on absolutely no back catalog of episodes to prove to her that it was even real. But um, I have Gwyneth Hodgins here. Gwyneth is a social worker living in Toronto, but she grew up all around the world. She grew up in Nepal and Zambia, Kujuak, which is like the frozen native land of Quebec. Um, and most exotically of all, North Carolina uh, in the great US of A. And she also happens to be my girlfriend, which means that I do maybe know some of the answers to these questions, um, but I will ask them anyways. And if I don't know the answers to some of them, it might break us up. So that's also a good way to start. Um, Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm very excited to have you. I'm very excited to be here. Um, You live here, so (laughs) there wasn't much of a choice. I'm very excited to not have left the house for this. Yeah, that's good. We still have... um, we still have a nice fish taco mix that we made for dinner, still wafting through the air. So just so you want to get a an audio and uh, smell-o-vision going on. Mm. Um, okay, so I have a question for you that okay. I had teased to you weeks ago. In terms of your name, mm-hmm. so your name is Gwyneth, obviously. However, you, like me in a way... Um, go by a shortened version of your name. Now, lots of people go by a shortened version of their name. There's Matts and Mikes that are Michaels and Matthews, obviously. But I find that almost everybody that ever talks to you calls you something different. Mm-hmm. Um, some people call you Gwyn, which is obviously the quickest, shortest version of your name. Some people call you Gwen, because even though E's and Y's are pretty distinctly able to be pronounced, <laughs> people love to not do that. Yeah, um, your parents that. obviously call you Gwenna, but that one's not a... That's not a kind of a, a, a part of this question um or of course just your full your your biblical name Gwyneth um and so I wondered when you think of you when you talk mm-hmm. to yourself in your head or out loud or you know you're running late and you're saying oh shit I gotta I gotta catch the bus or whatever who do you think of yourself as you know that's a really good question because I don't think that I refer to myself by name ever right in my head right um I always, and I mean, we've talked about this before, but I always introduce myself as Gwyneth, even though the vast majority of people call me some shortened version. Only, you know, people at work call me Gwyneth, but yeah. I just kind of kept it that way. Um, but I don't think that I've ever really introduced myself, at least in my recent memory, um, as anything but Gwyneth. Yeah. And yet, as soon as people ask me, sometimes they ask me, can I shorten it or do you prefer me to shorten it? And I always say, I don't care. <laughs> but most people prefer to shorten it. I think that people like short names. Um, but in terms of what I say to myself, I guess I would have to say if and when I say my name in my head, it's Gwyneth, which must be right. why I introduce myself as Gwyneth. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that I do use my own name in my head. 
it's kind of similar to the question of like, I, I don't really know how this works because I only speak one language. But when you ask people about what language they think in or what language they dream in. Right. Um, it seems to be different. Like I've asked a few people that and there's always seems to be a different answer. Um, so I wonder if it's related at all to what yeah, maybe, you Maybe it is. In it's head. interesting because I ask you what you think about it because I've also thought about it with me. So I definitely know the answer to this question for me. I mean, I think of myself as clay across all mediums at all times. If mm-hmm. I'm thinking about myself, if I'm, if I'm talking to myself either internally or externally, if I am not thinking about it and introduce myself to someone, I call myself clay. Mm-hmm. But... If I think of it, if I'm thinking of it, and I'm and I'm consciously being like, I have to introduce myself in like five minutes to this person. I have a new meeting of whatever. I always say Clayton. Hmm. And originally, I would say that I thought, you know, and I think this is similar with a lot of people as well. I thought that it was because of a professional thing. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. Like you, you, when you don't know somebody personally, Clay or Gwen or Matt or Mike, they become very colloquial, laid back. Like this is for my friends. It's almost like, it's almost like when you call somebody Mr. Something and they say, Oh no, Mr. Something was my father. Call me by my first name. <laughs> you know, you, you're not at that level with somebody. So you say your full name because they don't, I guess, deserve to call you by your, by your friendly <laughs> name. Yeah. Um, but I always, I always found that was interesting. And one of the things that I always used to say was, I actually didn't know how to say Clayton, like, out loud, because I never said it. Because you don't talk about yourself that much. Right, Right, yeah. you know? And that's why I say, like, I, sim- I think the same with you. Uh, you, Gwyneth is, Gwyneth is easy to say as Gwyneth. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've heard some people say Gwyneth, mm-hmm. but that's not really a name. Uh, but It is, though. I've met someone called Gwyneth. Have you really? Yeah, with an E. It's the same name as mine, except for two did E's. You ha- did of- you have a long debate about the semantics of your name, like you and I are having? <laughs> We didn't really, but we actually also kind of looked similar. We once, uh, I don't know if I should be saying this, but I was uh, 18 and she was 19. Right. And we both have kind of reddish hair and we were both kind of fair skinned and thin. And so we went to a bar and she had her ID because she was 19 and I did not have an ID. And we told the bartender or the bouncer or whatever that we were twins and that our names were Gwyn and Gwen. And that our parents were just really weird and really liked the name. And so it named one of us Gwyneth and one of us Gwyneth. Right. And for whatever reason, the bouncer believed us or pretended to believe yeah, us. Didn't believe really you. care that much and just let us in. Where was this? I don't know. Someplace, uh, I mean, it was when I was 18, so I didn't really know the Toronto bar scene. Oh, well. it was in Toronto, though? Yeah, it was in Toronto. Oh, okay. Yeah. So in other countries, what do you think? Do people... Do people not care about your name? I mean, obviously, I, I know this, and I, I think if you know, you grew up in African and South Asian countries, mm-hmm. there were not a lot of Gwyneths and no, and Michaels, and and so were were people. Did people ever talk to you about you, what you look like, what you what your name was, what you sounded like? Did you ever feel like they were they treated you like? I guess what I'm trying to say is the way that we kind of treat people from other countries here is mm-hmm. we, you know, as almost borderline racist as it is, you meet oh, a, a yeah. guy from meet a guy from Japan and they tell you their name is Joseph mm-hmm. and you say, oh, what's your Asian name? Right. You know, right. and yeah, that's I like, so did they ever, did they ever wonder anything about you? Like they wanted to know what kind of a name Gordon was. Right. <laughs> um, I had a lot of, I, you know, everybody has a hard time pronouncing it. Yeah. Um, unless you, I guess are from Wales, which is where the name is from. Right. So, yeah, because even here, people really pronounce it Gwyneth a lot right. of the time, which I don't really mind. I've gotten used to enough that I don't really care. 
But yeah, um, definitely in Zambia and Nepal, uh, the pronunciation of the name was challenged. So I just got used to saying like people would ask me, "Is it this?" and it would not. That's right. Not what I, yeah, but yeah, I would yeah. say yes, like whatever yeah. they said, basically. Yeah. I because I tried. I guess there was a few times where I tried to be like, uh, "Almost you got it," and like kept trying. Right. To be like, okay, yeah. A little bit more like this, but then. Yeah, which I There's find, no like, point. in Canada, you wouldn't have that problem, right? So, no. like, that's what I mean. It's just, like, it's such an interesting kind of... Yeah, when so you're I guess I did, I did just kind of start saying, like, if they asked, oh, yeah, Glynis? Yep. Yeah. Yep, that's me, Glynis. And then I just let them call me Glynis from now on. Yeah. Yeah, I used to do that a lot, too, actually. Uh, when I was growing up, I would say Clay, and because Clay is not, you know, it almost doesn't sound like it could be a name if you've never heard it before. Right. And people would say, what, Craig? And I would, like, I'd be, like, 12, 13, I'd be like, yep, Craig, like, that's <laughs> me, I don't care. Which is which is another thing, right? Like, that's something that I, I wonder, I know, I can't give an ex- exact example, but, like, I know that I've heard people be very, um, like, strongly focused on correcting their name which mm-hmm. they totally should be because it's mm-hmm. kind of disrespectful if you get somebody's name wrong mm-hmm. but I think that what I noticed was like when I was young I don't know if this is just like straight up like meekness but like people would totally get a completely different name and I would be like yep yeah, cool that's fine like <laughs> you just you just I just now I have to, now I have to remember it. for this next period of time that when they say Craig or whatever they say that's you that's, go, yep. that's me uh, no problem what do, what do you need um so I guess the the base of this conversation is so you you moved around a lot and and you had different ethnicities trying to figure out who mm-hmm. this Welsh named girl is. Yeah. Um how did you feel about moving around? Did you I know that when you were in Zambia you were younger like really a child. Yeah. Did that I don't know if you even have a reference point which is so interesting to me is like, you know, people move down the street to a different school district or to a different province or to a different state when they're kids and they're kind of torn up inside about it because mm-hmm. their friends are there and whatever. Did you do did you ever or did you ever not feel like you understood the gravity of being like I am in Africa? <laughs> And now I'm going to a not very wealthy part of of Southeast Asia. Like I'm a I am a globetrotter. Or did you did you just kind of take it in the flow and and not really see it any different than if you were moving to a different school district? Yeah, I mean, I think. Well, okay, yeah, we moved to Zambia when I was just turning nine, so I, I guess I was a few months shy of nine. Yeah. Um. And I guess when you do it at that age, you know, you don't realize what's weird about the world or, you know, things that adults find normal, kids find fascinating. Things that adults find fascinating, kids find normal a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. So, like, to see an elephant above our tent or whatever, it was like, oh, yeah, cool. A, a large mm-hmm. wild animal, whatever. Yeah. Um, to move across the world was kind of like, I didn't have that frame of reference to know that not that many people do that and so by the time we moved to Nepal I guess I kind of just felt like oh yeah on to the next right so did you think did you think that it was going to go on like that forever I guess once you became forever, sh- like w- once I was an adult, or forever in my like while I am a child at the mercy of every all of it, all of it, like from from country to country, continent to continent, or just even once you were a teenager. As I was mm-hmm. just about to say, like once you're a teenager, then you start to form your own thoughts, and you think, okay, this is what I'd like to do. Right. But did it? What did you think? Like you moved to Toronto. When did you think? Oh, I'm gonna do that. 
Um, I think that as soon as I started thinking about university, for some reason I didn't even consider any country but Canada for university. When from that kind of background or growing up um, experience, I could have decided to go to university. Yeah, that's in what any I mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it would have been normal. Like a lot of my friends went to university in England. Some went to um, Australia. Some went to the states, all over the states. Um, and so, but I never considered it going anywhere but Canada. Um, but I think that for a while I thought that that was going to be just one stop of many. So right. I would go to university in Canada. I'd kind of go home, so to speak, because I always had this idea in my head that I'm Canadian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, right. Although, of course, when I got back to Canada, I felt totally out of place. Like, I do not fit in with these Canadian people. Right. <laughs> um, but I guess until I got here... I was going to say there. Until I got here. <laughs> it was there at the time. <laughs> yeah. I had this idea that, like, in my own adulthood, in my own... When I was making the decisions, I would also move around. Right. And I wanted a job where I could move around every few years and go to various places. And I thought, yeah, maybe I'll come back and live in Nepal for a while. Maybe I'll go live somewhere else in Asia. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I'll live in Europe for a while. I was just thinking... Uh, the world is my oyster and I'll probably right. resettle many times. Right. Um, but I guess once I got here, um, the comfort of it mm-hmm. started to creep up. Well, yeah. So that's, that's actually what I was just about to ask is like, I find it really interesting that in terms of like identity, not to just start saying the show's name over and over, but like <laughs> in terms of identity, you were moving around and you were young and impressionable. Mm-hmm. So you would maybe think, I mean, I remember when I met you, this is kind of getting an aside, but I remember when I met you and it still is to this day on your Facebook profile, it says from Kathmandu. Yeah. Right. And I thought that was so interesting that that's how you identified mm-hmm. as as Nepali, basically. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to hear now. I actually didn't really know this because I've never asked you this before. But like, it's interesting to hear now that as you were growing up, even though you were moving from continent to continent, you latched on to as your identity that you were Canadian. Yeah. Because Canada, I mean, you were, Kujuak obviously is in Canada, but you were yeah. basically a baby and a small child. Yeah, Canada I didn't lived exactly. Here yeah, I was five. Exactly. Right. I think that maybe that was some kind of self-preservation thing. And I mean, Mm. maybe this is reading even too deep into it. I definitely wasn't thinking of it in those terms at the time. But I wonder if, you know, being uprooted time after time and having to Mm. make new friends time after time, there has to be a certain amount of consistency to know who you are. So, I mean, part of that was I was really lucky to have a sister that, I mean... I think we were pretty close, maybe, probably looking back, we were, we fought a lot, but, you know, we still had that, you know, as soon as you land in a new country, you have at least one friend. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if another aspect of that consistency for me was knowing I am Canadian. And right. we went back every year. So every summer, um, we would come back to Canada and visit my grandparents and aunts mm-hmm. and uncles and cousins and everybody. And so I guess... I'd still, I still had the sort of idea of what Canada was like. And I, I guess I also put it on a pedestal a lot. Like, mm-hmm. they have movie theaters there. <laughs> the houses have air conditioning. Yeah, it's not I, hot inside. <laughs> again, to not sound not worldly enough, like, to, at risk of sounding that way, I guess when you're young, that is something that would really shape your thinking on a real, really profound level. Like, 
there are movie theaters there, and yeah. I would like to be where the movie theaters are. And I mean, are. to be fair, to be fair, Nepal and Zambia also had movie theaters. Right, right, right. But, but there was, like, one English movie showing at any given time, and it'd be, like, Lord of the Rings or yeah. James Bond, mm-hmm. but nothing right. nothing short of those level um, movies would come there. Um, but I guess, yeah, I think that for the most part, I was very content moving around and living in these different places and, and moving every once in a while. But I do remember, I, I mean maybe it was different at the time, but what I remember of it, my only dissatisfaction (laughs) really came from stuff like that. Like I'd come back to Canada and we also, you know, I lived in the exotic North Carolina for a while too. So we used to visit there sometimes in the summer as well. And I'd visit um, my, my first friend, Hannah. And so I'd hang out with her and her friends or I'd hang out with my cousins and their friends here, here in Canada. And it just seemed like this exotic world where you know you could walk along the street at night with a group of friends with no adults um you could go to the movies um you could go to restaurants and I mean to be fair when I got a little bit older in Nepal I would do those things by myself as well but you could go to the mall the malls were like big shiny adventure plazas to me you know like wow look at all of the beautiful clothes that you can buy you know it's interesting i think because i'm just like i'm trying to compare it to your experience to my life experience and i think that that's really interesting and and maybe maybe i'll start a new podcast called this week in mall psychology but i think that (laughs) i think that i felt the exact same way and the mall was like the most accessible thing throughout all of my childhood i mean Mm -hmm. i worked in a mall for a long time the mall was not exotic in any way shape or form i never knew a world that didn't have an easily accessible mall but you're right because when when you describe that to me and that might just be because you're young mm-hmm. and maybe when you're young enough and you're not making money or you're not making a lot of money mm-hmm. or you're even, you know, if you if you can't drive to the mall yourself, mm-hmm. it, it almost becomes like, and that's what they want. Again, check out This Week in Mall Psychology. <laughs> it almost becomes like a second home for you because they want you to spend all your money there and enjoy your time there. Yeah, so that's why they put like the food courts. Like, yeah. You don't need to leave. Yeah, to why eat? eat? Yeah, why eat at home? Eat here. Yeah. So I think that that's interesting because because in the way that you're describing it, and it, it is definitely still this, mm-hmm. but the way that you're describing it, it's like, well, this is this exotic different thing where we can go to the mall together. But like, really, mm-hmm. that was how it was. Not yeah, in an exotic way, but that's how it was for for me and my friends growing up as as well. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's where the term mall rat comes from, like teenagers in the mall, right? Yeah. Because they're going there as some sort of escapism from being at home doing nothing or or whatever you know and and so that's interesting there's there's a real similarity there that i don't think i ever would have Mm -hmm. thought you know um but in terms of so in terms of differences i mean just because you're kind of on that anyways Mm -hmm. what do you think and i mean like in terms of who you thought you were and and who you who you maybe changed into if there was a change Mm -hmm. what do you think the biggest changes that you ever had to make and, and you and you quickly became um conscious of so was it was it moving from like nepal to Zan- or zambia to nepal or from nepal back to toronto like did, do you ever did you ever anticipate and experience a, a metamorphosis of sorts and then it was like huge yeah if that's that's a little unclear <laughs> but you know what i mean yeah honestly i think that the hardest move i made was coming back to canada yeah 
Um, when you're nine, you're super adaptable. So if you're thrown into Zambia and you've so far only lived in North America, mm-hmm. you know, you, you take it in your stride. You are pretty adaptable. You learn it and you, you start to... The whole time I was in Zambia and Nepal, I had this weird sense of both being different and the same. So, you know, there weren't a lot of Canadians, for instance. Um, you know, when you, when you meet another Canadian kid at school, you kind of bond over it. You're mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, we, we are both from Canada. Um, <laughs> or, you know, at least that's how I felt. I don't know about the other Canadian kid. Probably hated me. Um, but <laughs> well, I don't I don't know. It depends. Did you call yourself like the Canada crew? Like, were you walking no, around? No, I wasn't. I were wasn't. you colonizing? Like. <laughs> No, I wasn't that, that upfront about it. I was more like, we had this uh, international food day, and and his mom brought Nanaimo bars, and I was like, yes, you are from Canada. That's so lame. <laughs> That's so lame. Nanaimo bars are really good, though. No, they're terrible. Oh, but they're so good. Oh. <laughs> okay, but wait, I was talking about something else. What, what did you ask me again? The change, oh, the, the change, change, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that when I was when I was living overseas, I really felt like. I felt different because, you know, the the majority of people there are Zambian or Nepali, and I am not. Yeah. Um, And I look different. But also, at the same time, I was in international schools. So whether, even though there weren't many Canadians there, there were Australians and British, Brits, Britons, (laughs) British people. (laughs) And, and, you know, people from all over the world. Did you meet Lancelot? (laughs) I did, I did. Um... I think our school in, in Nepal had like 43 nationalities or something right. um, in a school of like 300 or 350. So um, there weren't a lot of people exactly like me, but there were people who were from all over the place who were also moving around every three, five years um, and also lived the same sort of lifestyle that I did. So I fit in while still being different. The biggest change and the hardest change was coming back to Canada because all of a sudden everyone, there isn't that. And so all of my life I had thought of myself as Canadian. And all of a sudden I didn't fit in with the Canadians. I didn't get the right. jokes. And you know, I'm, I'm, I'm assimilating, but still there's things I don't get. Like if people are saying, oh yeah, remember that, that commercial that was on when we were 11 or something. Yeah, and you have no idea. And it was like some kind of huge cultural phenomenon. I'm like, no, I I don't, sorry. Or even music, which I probably am most embarrassed about because I do like music and I don't want to seem ignorant or uninformed, but I don't know a lot about like the music history um, because I was kind of out of the loop. Mm -hmm. So stuff like that. uh, (laughs) Also, candy someone once offered me i remember this in first year of university someone offered me a mike and ike i was like what the fuck is a mike and ike <laughs> <laughs> you need to give me a little bit more explanation before yeah, i say yes and also to not give you a mike and ike <laughs> yeah probably i mean I, i'm They're open not that good. i'm open to any potential uh, sponsorships <laughs> but i feel like if i burn the mike and ike bridge i won't need to worry about yeah. it mike and ikes are trash right and I mean, I'm talking on a kind of a superficial level here, like candies and no, commercials but, and music. But, but no, I but... kind of felt like there was a cultural disconnect where I didn't get it. And also, I mean, it's different because, you know, if you come to Canada, and I mean, things are things are very hard for, for immigrants, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but the different thing is that, you know, 
you come and you're saying, I came from this country and you might look different and you have a different sounding name and you have a different accent or something. And so, you know, at least people expect you to be different. Right. Right. Like, so there's yeah. a, like, of course, there's a whole different set and probably bigger set of, of difficulties mm-hmm. being an immigrant. Yeah. Um, but the one thing that I guess I did kind of struggle with was like nobody expected me to be different because I look like I'm Canadian. I'm white. I yeah. don't have an accent. At least I don't think I do. <laughs> or not, not anymore. Um, so people didn't expect there to be a, that disconnect. So it, they were kind of surprised whenever I didn't get something. Right. So, okay, so these are the things that actually did end up happening to you, like the, the, the differences and the changes and the, mm-hmm. and the kind of difficulties that you had. Was there anything that you were super worried about, even not even with the whole move, but like just in your life, was there anything that you were super worried about and it really kept you up at night and it filled your thoughts that actually just never really came to fruition? Like, were you ever were you ever worried that, something when you came back here or at any time was going to change your life negatively but then just never never happened you mean like ever in my whole life well it can be i mean i'm just thinking because like i'm again i'm using myself as a kind of a reference point where Mm -hmm. i would say if i'm 18 Mm -hmm. and i know that i'm going to university right in toronto and i'm and i'm you went back to north carolina briefly right before right or did you go straight from Nepal? Um, we went to Virginia. In Virginia, right, right, right. Sorry. So you went to Virginia, and then you were coming to Toronto to start mm-hmm. school. I was in Virginia for a, a did month. Did you think that something was going to happen, like, at all? What, what, how did you How did you see it, you know? How did you... What, before it actually happened. So this is all the stuff that is, is happening mm-hmm. to you. You don't know like, what a Mike and Ike is. You don't know the right. songs. You don't know the movies. Did you, have a, did you have some sort of idea, and was it completely off, or was it completely... Were you right? Where, where did these things kind of... Um, breakdown actually during that time um i mean i guess i'll just give a quick background of what happened um when i decided to go to university in toronto my parents decided that they didn't want to be all the way in nepal so my dad found a job in washington dc and they moved there so they were living just outside of dc in virginia and they moved there i believe in like july and then i was supposed to move into residence in september So there was like a month and a week or something where I was just living in Virginia in kind of like a not quite furnished house, knowing no one but my parents and my sister, Mm -hmm. Um, not bothering to make friends because I was only going to be there for a month, missing my friends in Nepal, looking forward to moving to Toronto. I was just like, I did not have a good month. I was just sitting in my basement room I didn't have a room (laughs) because my parents knew I was going to be in university so they didn't get a house with enough bedrooms for me so I just had a corner of the basement kind of blocked off with bookshelves right Um, that's (laughs) terrible yeah so I didn't feel at home I didn't feel like and you know when you're just in close quarters with three people all the time there was you know snippiness and I just wanted Mm -hmm. to get away from them but I had no one else to hang out with Um, so honestly, everything that I thought about Toronto was just like, it is going to be great. (laughs) I'm going to be away from these three people. I'm going to make new friends. I'm going to have freedom. I'm going to go to university. And I was just so excited. Um, and for the most part, I carried that through, like, despite all the feelings of being, you know, fish out of water and, and not fitting in and stuff. Like, I don't think that 
other people would have noticed that I was uncomfortable because I was, I, I, I mean, ultimately I was really excited and I was happy, but I was also kind of underneath that uncomfortable. And I think it was actually like a couple of months after maybe the adrenaline of moving and having my freedom and, and moving to a new place and all that excitement that it actually, that kind of wore off and I sort of went into a little bit of a slump for a few months. Right. That's interesting to, to think that that was kind of how it shook down. I mean, I, it makes sense now, but I almost feel, I almost feel like I would have been the opposite. You know, mm-hmm. I think I would have been so completely negatively anxious. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, just I can gonna, see that. Just gonna, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I would definitely, me personally would be, but I just, I just, it's because of my personal, I guess, bias, I, I feel like that would be the standard set default. The normal reaction. Right, 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 right. But then again, I mean, again, it's almost similar to, definitely not in subject matter, but similar to the kind of the mall concept. It's interesting, and I'm, I'm definitely going to patronize you right now and say it's interesting how normal you were in those feelings because that's how that's how me and and friends of mine felt when mm-hmm. we just graduated high school and we're gonna go mm-hmm. to university. I mean, I went to high school in Brampton and then went to university in Toronto, so that was a forty five minute ride. Yeah, and well, I mean, similar to that, like I'm always struck when I notice similarities from like my high school experience and other people's high school experiences, mm-hmm. like. MSN, you know, I see memes now come online and I notice them on Facebook or whatever. Like, oh, remember MSN and your crazy MSN names with asterisks and squiggles and lowercase and uppercase. And like, you had to be on MSN every night, otherwise you'd miss out on stuff. And like, that's exactly how it was for me too. Over in Nepal, my spotty, what was it? Cable? Cable internet. (laughs) Or even dial-up. It was dial-up in in Zambia. We had dial-up. But I think in Nepal we had cable. Or maybe you had dial-up at first, too. I don't remember. I remember anyway, you telling me. very slow. Yeah. I remember you telling me that you had cable internet way before my family ever did. Which is more <laughs> of an indictment on us. But, yeah. Yeah, we had we definitely got cable internet as soon as it was available. Yeah, we got cable internet. Or not even cable internet, but, like, high-speed internet in uh, 2010. <laughs> so, that's good. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I guess it isn't completely dependent on where you live. Yeah, well, actually, I'm, inter- I'm I'm happy that you brought it up. I was I was thinking about it. And I wasn't going to bring it up myself, but I think that that's really interesting for us. And everybody talks about this all the time. So apologies to anybody that's listening. But like the the globalization that occurs because of technology, right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. you were able to find mm-hmm. cultural touch points, mm-hmm. no matter where you were in the world because of the internet and because of the technology and culture around the internet whereas literally eight years earlier Mm -hmm. less than 10 for Mm -hmm. sure years earlier you wouldn't have been able to to have that it's still changing because even for me like i was mentioning how i was really behind on the music scene and movies and everything yeah because basically anything that was popular music wise in canada or the uk or the states Mm -hmm. um i think it would get to us like a few months later like two to six months later it would become popular in Nepal as at least my perception is that um but now like I I obviously have friends still in Nepal and I see them on Facebook and Mm -hmm. they're posting about the same things we are here now like it I guess internet's gotten better and technology's gotten faster and more extensive and, and now like we had phones capable of doing that in Nepal but there was no um 
system for it. So you just had like, oh yeah, I just don't press that right. button. Right, the, the satellites didn't didn't beam down to get you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. So it, we'd see the little like little globe icon on the phone and we'd be like, oh yeah, whatever, that's just something I don't touch. Yeah, that's what it was, the globe icon. <laughs> yeah, but now... Oh, bless that globe icon. Now, like, you know, they have, they have iPods with 3G or 4G or whatever and they're like posting on yeah. Instagram and everything just like we are here. Well, that's, I mean, that's the, the power of Wi-Fi. Uh, yeah. that is so interesting right like that's what I was saying I didn't want to jump completely on this bandwagon but like it, it is it is true it does change and that's what I find so interesting it changes your timeline mm-hmm. you know what I mean because not to patronize you too much but uh, 10 years earlier you maybe would have the music from a whole new world would have been playing behind you because it would have been like wow like this is this is all so different not not the technology advancements but the but the the connectivity yeah. would have been different right yeah. where you have all this connectivity it's the sa- it's basically the same way that we all don't need 10 year high school reunions anymore because facebook takes care of it all for <laughs> yeah. you so what are you going to go yeah. to i mean hopefully you get to go that'd be kind of fun but like it's not necessary and so i think that that's i think that's really cool um, because of, I mean, not even just because of it, but, but with your, with the history of, of your growing up, the way that you grew up, the way mm-hmm. that you were, do you think that you carry anything from any of the places that you're up? Do you have like a childhood memory that you, that you hold really dearly to you that helps kind of keep you, you, or do you think that's all gone? I'm laughing because before you finished that sentence, I was uh, totally interpreting the end of it in a different way. What were you thinking I was going to say? Well, that might well, even be better, to be honest. <laughs> the stuff, like, you were asking if I carried anything with me from those places. And I was going to say, yeah, I hate feet. <laughs> no, but, no, but, no, 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 okay. So but the, I don't but, think that's I mean, a childhood that's, No, 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 no it, it, I mean, it is in, in a way, it's it's the other side of that coin. So if you want to talk mm-hmm. about that first, that's just as, as interesting and and compelling. Sure. Is is so... I was trying to, you know, bring the mood up, but if you want to literally go down to the feet <laughs> portion of the podcast, then that's fine. Um, so tell me about feet. Okay, tell me so... about this. This is true. This is the exact same thing, only more negative. What uh, it carries with you? Um, I I don't like touching or being. I don't like feet facing me, and that's um, right. That's a respect thing, a cultural thing in Nepal, and I think in large parts, lots, lots of parts of the world, but definitely in Southeast Asia, where. Um, the bottom of your foot especially but your feet in general is just seen as like dirty um, it's touching the ground which is dirty <laughs> um, there's also a caste system involved right um, you know the castes are sort of modeled after parts of the body so there's like the, there's the head and then I think there's the torso and then the pelvis and then the feet I think uh, I mean don't quote me on that. Right. It's a long time since I <laughs> was thinking about casts. But um, yeah, and the feet are the the untouchables, right? And, mm-hmm. I mean, this is this is a system that is hopefully in the process of, of ending. Um, but basically, like you wouldn't you wouldn't share food with one of the untouchables. You wouldn't share a house with them. You wouldn't want to spend a lot of time around them. Um, and they have like historically really shitty jobs, literally. Um, like shoveling shit. So it's all kind of together and there's symbolism about the feet that it's it's very disrespectful to touch someone with your foot or face your foot to somebody or put it too close to someone. So I still that that really I internalize that. Mm-hmm. 
I know I because can't. I can't ever cross my legs around you. <laughs> I can't. I can't even touch my own feet. Like if I'm clipping my toenails, I have to go wash my hands directly after, and that's my own feet. Um, I'm just getting. You know, you can agree to this or testify to this. I'm getting used to your feet, and I will sometimes touch them. But it's very consciously like I'm going to touch Clay's foot now. <laughs> I right. have to kind of steal myself to do it. Um, but yeah, so like if someone is crossing their one leg over their other leg and their bottom of their foot is facing towards me it still makes me feel really uncomfortable and now i mean more so like sock feet i'm less disturbed about but i'm still like the bottoms of shoes are actually physically dirty and i don't want that near me yeah um but yeah i mean and it's also gotten less in the however many years i've been in canada now um it has gotten less it used to be a lot more intense and just for like clarity is it that it grosses you out or is it that it just makes you feel Mostly it's just a weird internal yeah. feeling. Like, yeah. no, this isn't right. So this isn't Cause, right. Because, I mean, obviously Get lots of people are me. grossed out by feet. You know what I mean? Like, it's not necessarily... <laughs> no, uh... it's not even really that I'm grossed out by mm-hmm. anything. It's not like there's. I'm thinking about, oh, smell, oh, foot. Yeah, right, 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 right. I'm You're just saying... thinking, like, the bottom yeah. of your foot should yeah. not be yeah, not cool. yeah. six inches from me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, that's what you kept. Yeah. Uh, what do you think... What do you think you don't have anymore? Can you think of something off the top of your head that you you maybe once strongly associated with who you are that is not the case anymore? Hmm. Yeah. A traveler. I mean, fair. Yeah. Uh, Considering how your passport racked up in the first 18 years of your life. Yeah, and now it's, like, empty. (laughs) I had to get a new one, and there's no stamps in it. It's so sad. Like... My last passport, every pa- every page had at least one stamp, and mo- many had, like, three or four, and it was full. Mm-hmm. They, they had to, like, flip through to find space on my passport for stamps. Also, now that so many fewer places actually do physical stamps. Um, but my new one has nothing in it. It's really depressing. And, I mean, part of it is that when I was younger, I did expect my life to continue to be three years here, five years right. there, continue on. But now that I've been in Toronto this long... I guess what I never had growing up was a place that I knew was home. And to this day, I still haven't lived in the same house for longer than three years ever. Because even when I lived in Nepal for six years, we moved house once, so we had two different houses there. Even now that I've lived in Toronto for six years, six and a half, whatever it is, um, I've moved house every few years. So I've never lived in one house for that long. And I'm really kind of eager to do it eventually. And I have started to really like Toronto. And I, it took me, I think, um, two or three years for Toronto to feel more like home than Kathmandu did. So for the first two or three years I lived here, I still thought of Kathmandu as home. Which is why my Facebook says that's where I'm from and I never changed it. But now that I've kind of been sedentary, I feel this weird sort of like jealous detachment when I see other people travel. Right, which is what most people feel. Yeah, but it's like a weird I mean, I guess I can't I can't speak to how other people feel. Maybe they feel exactly the same way that I do. But the way that I experience it is like half of me is really jealous mm-hmm. and half of me is like God, why are you why are you showing me that? Like I don't care. I want to be in the same place. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. That was actually um and I mean, the other half is really happy for them that they're having a good time, obviously. But like the weirdness, the weird part that of it. was that was actually one of the f- first things that I was going to ask you, and we kind of went down a different road. But 
that that kind of relationship with traveling for you is so different than everybody else and I'm not trying to out you but I'm gonna out you (laughs) is that you rightfully do get annoyed sometimes by people who incessantly which is a good way to become annoyed of someone when they do anything incessantly (laughs) but incessantly talk about short vacations and travel like that was their like that was their defining moment in their in their rock Uh and I think that you are allowed to be that way because to you when you traveled you, that was just how what your life was, you know, and you yeah. and you did live. And I think now, retrospectively, like looking back on it, you can kind of see, oh, look at all the worldly places that I've been compared to living in Toronto now for for six years. Obviously, just comparatively speaking, but when people as adults spend their money and do and 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 plan it mm-hmm. and achieve it, even if it's three days in in Thailand, mm-hmm. you know, I mean. I you'd probably go visit Thailand longer than three days because it's a pretty <laughs> short trip to spend that much money. But like, it's, you know what I mean, essentially. Yeah. A short trip in Thailand and they've, yeah. and they've got it and they have an itinerary and they have a, a hotel or an Airbnb. Yeah. You know, or even if they don't, even if they're doing some sort of work there or whatever. It, to you, that was old hat. You know what I mean? You were a mm-hmm. child doing that. But to them, that's like a, that's like a, because they're, they are, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not trying to paint a completely bleak picture of somebody, but like, because they're stuck in their job, because they're used to the same house in the same place and in, in the same kind of Western mm-hmm. world or whatever, mm-hmm. you don't have that, that sense of like, almost like you said, like a, like a, you're still jealous, but like a detachment because you're like, yeah, mm-hmm. but that, that's, that's like a, that's like a former Yeah, well, it's weird self. because, I mean, at the same time, of course, like... I still do the week-long trip with an itinerary and Airbnb or hotel, you know? Yeah. But, like, I think that when I see other people do it, it's weird because, and I mean, of course, disclaimer, I am happy that they're having a good time, and that's what, like, the biggest chunk of the pie is. But there is a sense of, first of all, jealousy that, like, I'm not doing it, and that Mm -hmm. I used to be a traveler, but I'm not anymore. Yeah. I used to be the one that was in weird places, um, different places all the time and that is not that's some that's part of my identity that I feel is slipping mm-hmm. that's where that jealousy comes from but then there's also a weird sense of like but is it the same because I never really did that kind of traveling right like I've been I guess an exception is Thailand we would go to vacations to Thailand because from Nepal yeah if you're not gonna yeah. go all the way to North America the closest nice place to vacation is Thailand um but other than that, like, I didn't really do vacations places because most of the time when we had vacation time, we'd come back to Canada to see our family. So it's weird to hear people, like, traveling, traveling, you know, in, mm-hmm. in places, especially places that I've been. It's just a weird... It, it's just uncomfortable in a way, and I can't really put my finger well, on it. Well, I honestly... I'm just thinking about it as you're telling me, and I honestly just think that it's, it's because you experienced it in the inverse like mm-hmm. you were traveling while everybody else was growing up not traveling and now people right, are yeah. traveling and you're not quite I mean we will obviously together but yeah. like but like you're but not now quite it's like do- money and right. time and right 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 but because you have such such an experience with it you still mm-hmm. you can still conceptualize it it's still a part of your identity mm-hmm. you know so it, I I think you're really as unique as anybody that I've met in that sense mm-hmm. of like 
most of the people that I know, if they moved from another land, it was, you know, Anglo, like it was England or it was the States, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like that. Well, I mean, I think that as far as the identity goes, I, part of the discomfort is, I think is coming from the fact that there's kind of, I'm being pulled two ways, right? So part of me is like, I'm a traveler mm-hmm. and I haven't in a long time done that kind of traveling. I haven't been to, you know, quote unquote, exotic places, Yeah. right? Yeah, we're um, offending a lot of people right now, just calling things exotic, like, oh, I know, yes, but... <laughs> That's why I quoted it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, I haven't, I haven't been traveling a lot lately. And so I feel like, oh, that's a part of me that I'm not getting to do right now. But at the same time, I guess I'm questioning, but is that me now? Because I feel so happy living in one place for a long time. Right. And and Toronto, by the way, this um, September, so I guess almost almost six months ago, Toronto overtook anywhere else in terms of the longest I've ever lived anywhere. So up until six months ago, the longest I'd ever lived anywhere was Kathmandu in Nepal. Mm Mm-hmm. Toronto just overtook that. And so, and I mean, it, it, it matters. Like, it feels like it's home now. And now I don't really want to live anywhere else. But then the kind of traveling that you do when you're not actually living there, that's expensive. It takes time. You have to take vacation time. And, and now I have a job. And Yeah. Well, I mean, that's and that's what happens to many people. I mean, in terms of Toronto feeling like home, you, I was counting. And in the three times you said Toronto in the last minute, you said Toronto the way that people from Toronto say it, and then Toronto once. So you're still <laughs> not completely assimilated. So I guess it's good. We I don't need that to, you were counting. We don't need to go. Well, because you were talking about how it's your home. And I thought, well, there's one litmus test that we need to find out. And it's that. Um, and you mostly passed because you got two out of three. But that's, I mean, to me, that's nothing new. But <laughs> so, so I guess to bring it kind of all together... Um, because we are running out of time. I just said that because people say that we're not running out of time. Where are we going? We can talk for we as, long talk as, long as, as long as we want. What time are we running out? I'm not you in the studio. You guys have to listen to us. I'm not in the studio. <laughs> this is ridiculous. I'm just done. There's lots of time. Um, but we're running out of time. Uh, what do you think, on the whole, your relationship is with the concept of identity? I know that's incredibly abstract, but you are the first person that I'm asking this, so I'm testing to see if it's even possible to answer that question. But what do you think your relationship is with the concept of of identity? And probably it'll end up being yours, but what do you mm. what do you think? I think that it's fairly set. You know, I think that most of the aspects of my identity I've held for a really long time and they haven't really shifted. But I think that shifts do happen. And I think that maybe shifts happen when some kind of external environmental factor changes dramatically, like, I don't know, moving from Nepal to Canada. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, this is a hard question to answer. No, I know it is. So, so just to pick up on what you've said so far, you think that it's set, which is really interesting to me because I would I would guess mm-hmm. for you and I, I won't get into my own thoughts mm-hmm. maybe yet or at all but I would think for you that you wouldn't think it's that you would think that it'd be changing because yeah I mean that's the thing I think it does change but I think it's a really like slow and sticky process like like wading through molasses that's right. what I think of as identity change <laughs> we can put that down in quotes right 
identity changes like wading through molasses. Yeah, it doesn't sound like it's it doesn't sound like it's fun. Statement. No, I don't think it is, but it's sometimes necessary. Is that deep? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it is. I think it is necessary based off of literally everything that you've just said to me. Mm-hmm. I can I can kind of put piece together images of where you've changed and how and I do think that honestly I mean to simplify it you, it's happened when you moved yeah I'm, I'm really kind of intrigued by the the concept of you really off the bat saying it's set and to go back to the kind of the beginning where we were talking about where like that setness at least in my mind as I'm putting it together is you as a Canadian you know what I mean and yeah. I know I know I know I'm not gonna try and, and paint you as this like straight up nationalist like identity <laughs> is tied exclusively to your homeland and like we're not gonna play the canadian national anthem now i mean obviously canadian canada is the most wonderful place on earth but Duh. but i'm not I'm, I'm not trying to paint you as like here you go <laughs> that shining light of the maple leaf was was holding you through but it, i think that that's really cool because somebody who's lived such a, a, a transitional life as you mm-hmm. That's why I... Yeah, I mean, I think that that's true to an extent. And I wonder now, like, going forward, because, you know, if I were to break down my life into chunks of significance, hands down, it's by where I was living at the time. I just think of it that way very naturally. So going forward, if my... You know, I've now been living in Toronto for longer than I've ever lived anywhere Mm -hmm. else. And I intend to live here for quite some time. I don't have any plans to leave. Um, So... How am I going to mark my life now? Mm-hmm. Well, that's, I mean, as a, as a side note, or maybe as a completely separate page, what we're talking about right now, and, and kind of to use you as a guinea pig and, and kind of get a little bit behind the music here, like, we're talking about your identity pretty concretely um, in terms of where you've lived. And I know that you don't maybe think that that's the whole concept of it but that's the point right is is does the identity in many cases transcend the environment that it lives in i think so because that's the thing like i don't feel like i've been a different person in every place i still feel like i've been me in every place but parts of me have had to shift and adapt and assimilate so i mean i've always thought of myself like i've always been (laughs) goofy and someone who laughs at poo jokes mm-hmm. and that has been you do love a poo joke i do love a poo joke and I, I think i have since i can remember you know yeah I, right. I loved a poo joke in zambia i loved a poo joke in kujuak i loved a poo joke in nepal and i love a poo joke now so i mean some things really never change okay what's your top five poo jokes <laughs> no i'm kidding you don't have to tell me no they have to come up in the moment you know like like a fart <laughs> yeah my one of my favorites is fart <laughs> Any kind of fart's a good poo joke. <laughs> well, then on that um, incredibly deep final thought, um, this has been the Identities Podcast. Going to thank you so much for joining me. You're welcome. Thanks um, for making me your first guinea pig. I uh, I would have actually come prepared with more poo jokes if I had have thought that they would even have a platform uh, on this show, but. Yeah, thanks again, and uh, thank you everybody for listening. I hope uh, I hope you tune in as often as I do these, which, as of this day, <laughs> has yet to be decided. So hourly it is then. 
Yeah. Have Every a good one. hour. Have a good one, everybody.